Was there a quid pro quo? The answer is yes. Was that a bombshell? The answer is yes. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Well, sort of. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with Here you. I am. Barely, but here I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding, in Round Mountain on KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans' WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, After nearly 11 hours of public impeachment testimony on Tuesday in the U.S. House Intelligence Committee, Oh, the fun continued on Wednesday, didn't it, Desi Doyle? Oh, yeah, if you call that fun. And it will again on Thursday. But Wednesday, the testimony was nothing short of a bombshell. And I know that word is used a whole lot by media types out there. I try not to use it unless it's really necessary. But I think that the nearly seven hours of testimony from Ambassador Gordon Sondland a hotelier and million-dollar donor to Donald Trump, who the president tapped for his swamp, naming him as the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. I think that testimony definitely fits into the bombshell category as he appeared to toss not just a whole bunch of officials under the bus, including Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, National Security Advisor John Bolton, White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, Trump's lawyer Rudy Giuliani, but also the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, and even and especially the president of the United States himself. They were all tossed under the bus. But as I say, especially Donald J. Trump, when Sondland declared in no uncertain terms that he believed the withholding of a White House meeting and $391 million in military assistance to Ukraine's president, unless that uh, Ukraine president would announce an official state investigation into the Bidens and the 2016 election. That was, in fact, as he described it, a quid pro quo, period. 
damn near end of story. Now, he didn't use the words extortion or bribery, but that is what a quid pro quo ultimately is, at least when one party, you know, doesn't want to give quid this in exchange for quo that. And yes, bribery is very specifically, literally mentioned in the U.S. Constitution as an impeachable offense. The bombshell from Sondland, which many are citing today as a John Dean moment when he admitted that there was a taping system in the White House during the Watergate impeachment hearings. This comes after Donald Trump just last month in October tweeted out that Gordon Sondland is, quote, a really good man and great American. We will be joined shortly once again by our partner in impeachable crimes, the delightful Heather Digby Parton. But let's get right to Sondland's opening statement in which he summarized five key points that have, well, lit these impeachment hearings on fire as of Wednesday. A few critical points have been obscured by noise over the last few days and weeks. And I'm worried that the bigger picture is being ignored. So let me make a few key points. First, Secretary Perry, Ambassador Volker, and I worked with Mr. Rudy Giuliani on Ukraine matters at the express direction of the President of the United States. We did not want to work with Mr. Giuliani. Simply put, we were playing the hand we were dealt. We all understood that if we refused to work with Mr. Giuliani, we would lose a very important opportunity to cement relations between the United States and Ukraine. So we followed the president's orders. Second, although we disagreed with the need to involve Mr. Giuliani, at the time, we did not believe that his role was improper. As I previously testified, if I had known of all of Mr. Giuliani's dealings or his associations with individuals, some of whom are now under criminal indictment, I personally would not have acquiesced to his participation. Still, given what we knew at the time, what we were asked to do did not appear to be wrong. Third, let me say, precisely because we did not think that we were engaging in improper behavior, we made every effort to ensure that the relevant decision makers at the National Security Council and the State Department knew the important details of our efforts. The suggestion that we were engaged in some irregular or rogue diplomacy is absolutely false. I have now identified certain State Department emails and messages that provide contemporaneous support for my view. These emails show that the leadership of the State Department, the National Security Council, and the White House were all informed about the Ukraine efforts from May 23, 2019 until the security aid was released on September 11, 2019. I will quote from some of those messages with you shortly. Fourth, as I testified previously, 
As I testified previously, Mr. Giuliani's requests were a quid pro quo for arranging a White House visit for President Zelensky. Mr. Giuliani demanded that Ukraine make a public statement announcing the investigations of the 2016 election, DNC server, and Burisma. Mr. Giuliani was expressing the desires of the President of the United States, and we knew these investigations were important to the President. Fifth, in July and August of 2019, we learned that the White House had also suspended security aid to Ukraine. I was adamantly opposed to any suspension of aid. I was adamantly, adamantly opposed to any suspension of aid, as the Ukrainians needed those funds to fight against Russian aggression. I tried diligently to ask why the aid was suspended, but I never received a clear answer. Still haven't to this day. In the absence of any credible explanation for the suspension of aid, I later came to believe that the resumption of security aid would not occur until there was a public statement from Ukraine committing to the investigations of the 2016 elections and Burisma, as Mr. Giuliani had demanded. I shared concerns of the potential quid pro quo regarding the security aid with Senator Ron Johnson, and I also shared my concerns with the Ukrainians. Finally, at all times, I was acting in good faith. I was acting in good faith. As a presidential appointee, I followed the directions of the president. We worked with Mr. Giuliani because the president directed us to do so. We had no desire to set any conditions. We had no desire to set any conditions on the Ukrainians. Indeed, my own personal view which I shared repeatedly with others, was that the White House and security, security assistance should have proceeded without preconditions of any kind. But they did not. The preconditions were put all over the place before Ukraine would be granted that money. That was Donald Trump, donor-turned-ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, who uh, led the effort to force an announcement by Ukraine, at least led the official effort to force an announcement by Ukraine, that they would investigate Trump's political rivals in exchange for a White House meeting, which they still so far have not received, uh, and nearly $400 million in military assistance that had been approved by a bipartisan vote of Congress. Now, Sondland says he testified previously to this. Well, sort of. Uh, he did submit some amended testimony to his uh, earlier closed-door deposition. Uh, he also notes here that he shared his concerns with the Ukrainians, which means that the claim that there can't be a quid pro quo because the Ukrainians didn't know that the money was being held up, well... Gordon Sondland blew that out of the water as well today. He went on to speak about the quid pro quo in, uh, in more direct terms. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. 
Mr. Giuliani conveyed to Secretary Perry, Ambassador Volcker, and others that President Trump wanted a public statement from President Zelensky committing to investigations of Burisma and the 2016 election. Mr. Giuliani expressed those requests directly to the Ukrainians, and Mr. Giuliani also expressed those requests directly to us. We all understood that these prerequisites for the White House call and the right White House meeting reflected President Trump's desires and requirements. Within my State Department emails, there is a July 19th email. This email was sent, this email was sent to Secretary Pompeo, Secretary Perry, Brian McCormick, who is Secretary Perry's Chief of Staff at the time, Ms. Kenna, who is the acting, pardon me, who is the Executive Secretariat for Secretary Pompeo, Chief of Staff Mulvaney, and Mr. Mulvaney's Senior Advisor, Rob Blair. A lot of senior officials. A lot of senior officials. Here is my exact quote from that email. I talked to Zelensky just now. He is prepared to receive POTUS's call. We'll assure him that he intends to run a fully transparent investigation and will turn over every stone. He would greatly appreciate a call prior to Sunday so that he can put out some media about a friendly and productive call, no details, prior to Ukraine election on Sunday. Chief of Staff Mulvaney responded, I asked the NSC to set it up for tomorrow. Everyone was in the loop. Everyone was in the loop. You notice that part there about no details? Don't give any details about what they will be talking about on that yeah. call? So uh, this uh, uh, testimony was extraordinary. It led uh, former Tea Party Republican congressman turned independent Justin Amash of Michigan to tweet, quote, Ambassador Sondland has eviscerated the Trump Republican narrative, unquote. The idea that Donald Trump was out of this loop, there was no quid pro quo. Congressman Adam Schiff, the chair of the U.S. House Intelligence Committee, uh, went on to uh, underscore Sondland's testimony and the fact that everybody knew about it. Let me get to the very the top line here, Ambassador Sondland. Okay. You've testified that that meeting was conditioned, was a quid pro quo for what the president wanted, these two investigations. Is that right? Correct. And that everybody knew it. Correct. He had to get those two investigations if that official act was going to take place, correct? He had to announce the investigations. He didn't actually have to do them, as I understood it. Okay. President Zelensky had to announce the two investigations the president wanted, make a public announcement, correct? Correct. So he didn't have to do them. He right. just had to announce them, which speaks to whole, the whole idea that Trump was interested in corruption. No, he just wanted to have it for his, uh, his 2020 uh, re-election campaign ads which is sort of a, a point that I'm glad that was brought out there because that has been clear. If you paid close attention to this, I've been talking about this, that what he wanted was not the investigations, but the announcement of the investigations. In his opening statement, Sondland complained that the hearings were unfair 
and not because of the way that it was being run by Democrats, as Republicans have been complaining, whining, I should say, for weeks, but because the State Department and the White House refused to release any records, such as Sondland's own notes uh, or records of his calls, etc. So he was having trouble, he claims, remembering things uh, up through now, through his initial closed-door deposition, then his amended deposition, after his memory was supposedly refreshed by the testimony of others, and then through his testimony today. In his own opening statement on Wednesday, U.S. House Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff also noted that the Department of State had yet to cooperate with the impeachment inquiry at all, and he also cited the ghost of Richard Nixon in the bargain. We have not received a single document from the State Department And as Ambassador Sondland's opening statement today will make clear, those documents bear directly on this investigation and this impeachment inquiry. I think we know now, based on a sample of the documents attached to Ambassador Sondland's statement, that the knowledge of this scheme was far and wide and included, among others, Secretary of State Pompeo, as well as the Vice President. We can see why Secretary Pompeo and President Trump have made such a concerted and across-the-board effort to obstruct this investigation and this impeachment inquiry. And I will just say this, they do so at their own peril. I remind the President that Article 3 of the impeachment articles drafted against President Nixon was his refusal to obey the subpoenas of Congress. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. Uh, but Adam Schiff uh, was not the only one invoking the specter of Watergate on Wednesday after Sondland's testimony. Let's take a quick break here, and we will be joined by Heather Digby Parton. Uh, we'll see if she invokes the specter of Watergate. <laughs> a lot of people are today for some odd reason on this uh Extraordinary day of testimony in the U.S. House Intelligence Committee's impeachment inquiry. Lots more ahead. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, 
With regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. Yeah. That was a bomb. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That admission there... Uh, that there was, in fact, a quid pro quo in the president's Ukraine scheme comes from the Wednesday opening statement of Gordon Sondland on day four of the U.S. House Intelligence Committee's impeachment hearings. Sondland is Donald Trump's own ambassador to the European Union, appointed by Trump after he donated one million dollars to Trump's inauguration. Must be nice. And after Sondland led the administration's efforts to force Ukraine to announce investigations into the Bidens and a Russian-backed conspiracy that Ukraine, not Russia, interfered in the 2016 election on behalf of Hillary Clinton and against Donald Trump. House Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff responded shortly after the testimony to Sondland's uh, bombshell opening statement to reporters during a recess in the testimony. I think today's testimony uh, is among the most significant evidence to date. Uh, And what we have just heard from Ambassador Sondland is that the knowledge of this scheme, this conditioning uh, of the White House meeting, of the security assistance to get the deliverable the President wanted, these two political investigations that he believed would help his re-election campaign, was a basic quid pro quo. Uh, It was the conditioning of official acts for something of great value to the president, these political investigations. It goes right to the heart of the issue of bribery, uh, as well as other potential uh, high crimes or misdemeanors. But we also have heard for the first time that knowledge of this scheme was pervasive. The Secretary of State was aware of it. Uh, The Acting Chief of Staff Mulvaney was aware of it. And, of course, at the very top, Donald Trump, through his personal lawyer and others was implementing it Uh, and so this I think only goes to underscore just how significant the president's obstruction of this investigation has been. Um, We now can see the veneer has been torn away just why Secretary Pompeo and President Donald Trump do not want any of these documents provided to Congress because apparently they show, as Ambassador Sondland has testified, that the knowledge of this scheme to condition official acts, a White House meeting and $400 million in security assistance to an ally at war with Russia, was conditioned on political favors the President wanted for his re-election. So, um, I think a very important moment in the history of this inquiry. This is a John Dean moment. It will live forever in American political history. That was tweeted by George Conway, the conservative lawyer and husband of senior White House counselor Kellyanne Conway today. Tony Schwartz, the uh, book author who ghost wrote Donald Trump's The Art of the Deal, said, quote, we are watching the John Dean of the Trump presidency. MSNBC host and legal commentator Ari Melber simply announced, holy cow, Gordon Sondland is going full John Dean in his opening statement. That, as Melber noted, confirmed descriptions of Trump's actions as quid pro quo bribery implicating Rudy Giuliani and showed Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was also, quote, in the loop 
while of course implicating the president. For his his part, as he boarded a helicopter outside the White House, even while Sondland's testimony was still ongoing, Trump yelled his response to the testimony to reporters by quoting what Sondland had said Trump had told him regarding the $391 million in military aid that the White House had frozen for 55 days in hopes of forcing Ukraine to announce the political investigations into his political rivals that Trump believed would help his 2020 re-election odds. I say to the ambassador in response, I want nothing, I want nothing, I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky, President Zelensky, to do the right thing. So here's my answer. I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Then he says, this is the final word from the President of the United States. I want nothing. And then he walked away without taking questions. Persuasive. Joining us once again is the broadcast's partner in impeachable crimes, Heather Digby Parton, the award-winning journalist from Salon and creator of the long-lived Digby's Hullabaloo blog, once again here to graciously help us sort through this historic muck and mire. Heather Digby Parton, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks for having me, Brad. Wow, uh, what a day. I suspect you have some thoughts on Wednesday's explosive testimony from Gordon Sondland, but I want to put that off for one moment because as we went to air yesterday, Heather, after the testimony of Trump's National Security Council Ukraine expert Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman and Mike Pence's Ukraine expert Jennifer Williams, it was before the uh, afternoon and evening session with uh, testimony from Trump's former special envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, and the former NSE man in charge of Russia and Ukraine, Tim Morrison, both of whom resigned in the wake of the Ukraine strong-arm scandal, both of whom were called as Republican committee witnesses in the impeachment hearings on Tuesday. So before we get to Sondland today, what, if anything... Very briefly, please, did we learn of note from that second set of witnesses on Tuesday evening? Well, we, we learned quite a bit, actually. Volker, um, he, uh, uh, again, he's another one of these uh-huh. who amended his testimony um, by saying that, you know, while he had said he didn't know anything about the Biden uh-huh. investigation request, he did know about the Burisma uh, investigation request. He just didn't know. He said he claims he didn't know that that had anything to do with Biden. Mm-hmm. Now uh, Sondland, who testified today, said the same thing, and Morrison said he didn't know anything about it either. Except it, he took the initiative to Google it, at which point what? he found out. Google, of course, yes, and and you know, of course, they found out that that uh, you know Rudy Giuliani had been shooting his mouth off about Biden and Burisma for months, mm-hmm. and so that informed him. Apparently, Volker and Sondland. Just they didn't even question why the president was targeting a very specific, not very big, and not particularly important energy company in Ukraine for <laughs> for this massive plot. They didn't actually question it. They uh, apparently they were just saying, "Oh that's... yeah, that's fine. That makes perfect sense to us." So that was that was kind of big news. But the one thing that Volker did say, mm-hmm. and they both said, and this was very important, was that they both said under questioning that they thought that um, despite various differences, and in Mm -hmm. Morrison's case, he thought there was nothing wrong with the call, 
that leveraging a foreign government for personal political gain was wrong. Right. So, you know, you get these people on record saying that. So, you know, this was the, I mean, I think it was important. I mean, there were a lot of details that were filled in by both of them. And mm-hmm. Volker, of course, was the guy who really was the first one. He, he volunteered to come in first, and he was the one who submitted those explosive e- uh, texts that showed that they were talking on this back channel about this whole thing, and and uh, Ambassador Bill Taylor mm-hmm. was threatening to quit, and they were talking about quid pro quos and all that. So, and, and in fact, that's on that series was where that quote that Trump was screaming like a <laughs> maniac today, sounding completely <laughs> insane, that's where that came from, was that text. I want nothing. Uh, I want nothing. I, I want nothing. <laughs> Well, you know, and it should be noted for fairness here that you're right. Volcker did come in voluntarily. Pretty much all of these other folks have been coming in under subpoena. Volcker did come in voluntarily. He was the first one to come in to the closed door uh, depositions. And he came in to the public hearings as well voluntarily, did not wait for a subpoena the way uh, all of these other folks did. And uh, and he was called by the Republicans to that hearing uh, in which he also, uh, on Tuesday night, strongly disavowed any criticism of Biden and and uh, his, his business dealings with Burisma, saying it was unthinkable that Joe Biden did anything untoward, describing the president's demands for investigations as uh, investigations into conspiracy theories. No opinion on uh, on Volcker's uh, thoughts there. I'm just pointing out that he was called by the Republicans and did not make a great case, I think, for the Republicans who want to do nothing other at this point than talk about Joe Biden and Burisma. Well, yeah, but, they, you know, they don't have much to work with. <laughs> I mean, it's basically, you know, they've got Breitbart, Fox News, and, you know, yeah. and Devin Nunes well, and- you know, fever dreams. So that's really where they are. Well, you know what? Uh, Speaking of Fox News, here's a reminder of Fox News way, way, way back in September of this year. So a little more than a month ago, September 24, Steve Ducey on Trump's favorite morning television show, Fox and Friends, speaking about how wrong, how terrible it would be If it turned out there was actually a quid pro quo in the president's Ukraine scheme to withhold money in exchange for an investigation of his political rival, Joe Biden. Because if the president said, you know, I'll give you the money, but you got to investigate Joe Biden, that is really off the rails wrong. Right. But if it's something else, you know, it would be nice to know what it is. (laughs) That is really off the rails wrong. Heather. Uh-huh. Uh, well, guess what? Uh, that appears to be what happened today with Gordon Sondland's testimony. So your top line response to what I'm calling a bombshell, uh, really, though, this time a bombshell, what happened in the U.S. House Intelligence Committee with Sondland's testimony on Wednesday? Yeah, well, you're right. It was a bombshell. And in fact, you know, he, he submitted his opening statement just very briefly before he was actually scheduled to appear. And it kind of sent shockwaves. You could tell, I mean, Devin Nunes <laughs> was left speechless. He was kind of, he got up in the middle of the testimony and walked out and came back in. Obviously, he went to confer with the White House about what he was supposed to do. I and, guess. And came back and, uh, you know, he was he was reported to be white as a sheet. You know, he did, they didn't know what to do. This was a big bombshell. For, that might have been an actual sheet, though, yeah, just to be fair. Yeah, in his yeah. case, you yeah. never yeah, know. You That's true. Been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they... they 
they were they were shaken by this because this is the first time that you had a first hand testimony that that he had spoke that someone had spoken with mm-hmm. the president directly. Now you shouldn't need that because we all saw the call, we saw the transcript, we know what the president did. But this this basically puts him in on the plotting, not just on the call. You know, this makes him part of the whole thing. And the, what what Trump, spe- Trump specifically Trump in on the plotting Trump for this in thing. On yeah. the plotting and and this kind of flies in the face. This was a big problem because it, honestly, what they what the Republicans had been doing up to this point, aside from spreading ridiculous. Russian conspiracy theories all over our televisions every day. They've been building a case that that yes, it you know it happened. It's unfortunate. All these people, the three amigos, they're all running around, and they would have been willing, I'm sure, to throw Pompeo, Mulvaney, Bolton, the rest of them under the bus. But they were protecting Trump and saying, well, he just he didn't know. They were leading up to this idea that he didn't really know that this is what these people were up to. And it was kind of modeled on Watergate because that's actually what um, you know what Howard Baker, the famed guy, who said. You know, what did the president know, and when did he know it? Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to find out what the president knew. He was trying to get people to say he didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And in fact, for a long time, they did say that. And then finally, it became untenable because once John Dean testified, yeah. and then the tapes and everything, you know, we know what happened. But that was Howard Baker's job and all that. He was a back channel to the White House, kind of like Devin Nunes is now. How he became a hero, I'll never understand. But he did, and um, well, he changed. Wasn't he one of the uh, senators who changed his opinions and walked over to the White House to he ask did. for? Yeah, he did. He did. But you know, he 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 was had a very um, let's just say checkered sort of uh, sort of uh, history. Yeah, maybe so. But I'll tell you what: if if Nunes changed sure, his uh, uh, tune right. and started walking over to the White Good House deal. to tell him, there you go. We'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. We'll yeah, call him a, a hero. Uh, exactly. So uh, there was a, a, a lot more uh, to, well, let me ask you this. Is it is it of the type of bombshell that you heard me mention John Dean and all of these folks who are comparing it to that? Is, is that actually what it is? It, will it be a John D. M- Dean moment as you see it? I think so, because what he did was he, he opened the door to something that we hadn't seen up till now, which he implicated the president's, um, you know, closest aides mm-hmm. uh, and, and cabinet members. I mean, he, implica- he <laughs> implicated Pompeo big time. I mean, this guy is definitely going to come under some t- different yeah. scrutiny than he's been under. He was in the loop. I mean, that, that's how Sondland put it. You know, we were all in the loop. I mean, basically what he, what he said was this wasn't a separate back channel. He even said this directly. Yep. It wasn't a separate back channel. It wasn't an irregular channel. It was the channel. Right. And that seems to be what, what he was saying, that these people, all of them, Mulvaney, and we're going to hear more about Mulvaney and his role in this, because he was the guy who was, you know, in charge of the money, right? He's the, the OMB, the chief of staff who was telling OMB what to do. To, to freeze the, the funds, to, freeze to not the fund. send them so to Ukraine, yeah. We are going to find out more about his role in that. And then there's Bolton, who is a very interesting character here. We've talked about this. You know, what's he up to? What's he doing? Mm-hmm. Well, now it looks like maybe Bolton may have been wanting the Congress maybe to offer him immunity or something to come forward, because it appears that he knows more and was involved more yeah. than, than we realized. So it's starting to, it's, the walls are closing in on, uh, on the White House, the Oval Office, and on Trump himself yeah. in a way that is sort of inexorably happening, kind of like, you remember the, the Fukushima um, 
uh, tidal wave, you know, the yeah. one that came across the field. That's kind of what it feels wow. like. It's just sort of inexorably moving, and there's nothing they can do to stop there, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he tossed a lot of folks under the bus. Uh, you mentioned uh, Pompeo. <laughs> I would say he actually drove over Giuliani and yeah. backed up and forward oh, yeah. several <laughs> times. Yeah, well, actually, I, I had tweeted out as soon as it looked like he was throwing uh, Trump under the bus and all these other folks. I said, uh, you know, that it looks like he's going to just toss everyone under there and someone replied back to say we're going to need a bigger bus <laughs> um but pompeo specifically you mentioned well he was looped into it all and a lot of these guys listen because the democrats it seems to me because of their rushed schedule here it seems like they're trying to compress everything to happen before thanksgiving so they can hand it off to the to the House Judiciary Committee so that they can complete their work by Christmas and that can go to the Senate and all of this happened before elections. Because of that, it seems like a lot of these folks, Pompeo, Mulvaney, Pence was brought into, Mike Pence was brought into this yeah, today. Him too. Uh, Rick Perry, John Bolton. Uh, a lot of these guys seem to be sliding by on all of this and I wonder if that's going to continue to be the case just because there's not time under the schedule that the Democrats are trying to do all of this. Well, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I remain a little bit confused still as to why there's the rush. But, you know, obviously sometimes events overtake, mm -hmm. whether they may want a rush. But the way this is coming out, the information that's flowing out, and this wasn't anticipated. I don't think that it was going to go this way. I, I, think, that the, I think that Sondland was a surprise. And that him coming out with this today, they weren't they weren't prepared for it. Certainly, the Republicans weren't prepared for it. And you know what he did then was implicate a whole bunch of other people. And by the way, there's a whole other area here, and this is just to do with Ukraine, about actual corruption by the Trump administration in Ukraine, including Rudy Giuliani, who mm -hmm. the Republican lawyer Castor basically said two things today that really made my you know made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I'm going, why is he saying this? Because he said, you know, the president had concerns about corruption in Ukraine because of all of his business dealings in the region. Oh. And I'm going, you, you want to go there, dude? Really? And then he said the same thing about Giuliani, that Giuliani had, had deals in there. And Giuliani replied to him on Twitter, how dare you? You don't know what you're talking about. He was very mm. angry and upset. For obvious reasons, he's under investigation by the Southern District of New York for corrupt practices with those two, you know, frick and frack. Lev and Igor, yes. Rosencrantz yeah. and Guildenstern, <laughs> exactly. as uh, somebody called them, yeah. Uh, the, the, this thing does seem to have just enormous tentacles, and I do yeah. wonder where it stops. Uh, and I'll, I'll toss this in as well, because you mentioned uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Uh, he was clearly looped into all of this. He was actually on the phone call. I do mm -hmm. not see how he does not resign at this point other than, well, it's the Trump administration and, you know, <laughs> they can't do anything, I, you know. But this also, I want to underscore, means with this trouble that M Pompeo is now in, this could actually mean that Democrats pick up a U.S. Senate seat in Kansas because I don't know if Pom I think Pompeo may be damaged goods. He's been talking about leaving the administration to run for the Senate in Kansas. I don't know how he does that now, which means that uh, failed gubernatorial candidate and voter fraud fraudster Chris Kobach may end up being the Republicans nominee in Kansas. So these are just some of the tentacles that seem to be reaching mm -hmm. out from this mess. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, and that's that's a good one. And I think Pompeo clearly is planning a run for the Senate. He's been going to Kansas every five minutes lately, mm-hmm. you know, on, on international business, yeah, I but... guess. You know, it's ridiculous. So clearly he wants to do that, but I don't. I agree with you. I think he is damaged goods. I think he's got a big problem. And, you know, he it, a lot of these guys, you know, him, Mulvaney, um, Bolton, these people have ostensibly want to have a future. And they are now in a position, you know, you never heard of Haldeman and Ehrlichman again, mm-hmm. did you? I mean, you know, this, right. this is the kind of thing that is a career ender if mm. you get caught caught in the maw, and they are caught in it now. And their best bet is to come clean. Uh, whether or not that's, you know, that's possible, I don't know. But, you know, I wouldn't have expected Gordon Sondland to do it either. I think he had a good lawyer who basically told him, hey, look, you know, you are on the hook here. And he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was definitely on the on the hook. And he decided to, you know, come out and just, I mean, he's kind of a character, um, made it actually an entertaining witness uh, for, you know, for this. I think he was probably someone who makes, gives good sound bites, so yeah. it's probably uh, that he was useful in that respect. But, you know, they, these people have got to give them down. You know, they're going to have to, they should talk to lawyers and their families and all kinds of things now and decide how far they want to go with Trump because this is looking like a big problem. And I, I, one of the, the um, congressmen on, on TV after the, the uh, hearing adjourned for um, Sondland came out and said, you know, look, there's legal liability here. I'm not quite sure what he was talking about, but he, you know, I don't know if it's perjury or what. But um, these people are going to be facing some serious legal bills and some serious legal uh, liability. And, of course, just their political futures are on the, the line, and it, they have a problem. As, uh, as we're speaking here with Heather Digby-Parton, uh, the State Department has put out a, a statement claiming, uh, quote, Gordon Sondland never told Secretary Pompeo that he believed the president was linking aid to investigations of political opponents. Any suggestion to the contrary is flat out false. Take that with, let's say, a mountain of salt, frankly, because he was uh, he was in on the phone call. Yeah, he was, he was there was on the in. July 25th phone call. And as Sondland said a couple of times in the hearing today, he said, I told Pompeo that, hey, I think that the aid is being withheld and Pompeo didn't say anything. <laughs> right. And Pompeo and the rest of the White House yeah. are withholding all the documents, emails, everything yes. that sort of backs up what Sondland says. And they won't, they, you know, they won't release them. So it's kind of is suspicious, don't you think? And, well, it does seem like if it would uh, exculpate them, they might want to release those you documents. So? But for some reason, and by the way, for uh, Donald Trump, exculpate means, well, anyway, you know what? <laughs> Pelosi did that. <laughs> the sense that I get, Heather, is 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 not so much that Sondland and Volcker were themselves pushing for these uh, investigations into Biden and 2016. And stop me if I'm being too charitable here. But uh, over the past 24 hours, the sense that I get was they were doing it uh, not because they were in on this Trump Giuliani political scheme, but because they came to learn both of them that really this was the only way right. that they would be able to move the support for Ukraine's new government forward. And I think what it shows, and you can correct me if you, if you disagree with that, but I think what it sort of underscores is the cost that these two men and, frankly, our entire government, maybe our entire world will pay, you know, the cost of appeasing and trying to please our man-baby president Instead of saying to him, no, this is ridiculous, either you change this or I'm going to resign, 
And then, of course, you know, I guess or you could be smeared uh, when you blow the whistle. But this seems like the cost of, of, of playing along with this insanity that is damaging a lot of good people. I think Kurt Volker is, you know, he's a decades long uh, ambassador and uh, a foreign service uh, man. I I don't know. Am am I am I wrong here no. about that? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, he is, you know, you call him the man baby president. I mean, he's like a he's like a mad king, right? Mm-hmm. Where the only in order to to get anything to run the country uh, or to you know, fulfill your obligation, do your job. You have to find a way to get the buy-in from this lunatic, yep. and and so it takes this tremendous amount of effort. And by the way, that is an equally manipulatable, um, you know, quality mm-hmm. by our adversaries, which I think we can see. People like, say, Vladimir Putin or uh, Recep Erdogan or yeah. <laughs> MBS in Saudi Arabia. These people figured that out too. That in order to get what they wanted, they had to do these certain, do certain things. things. And yeah. the thing is, it doesn't. You know, these in in our case, you know, in in the case of the of the United States and domestic policy and within the government itself, this is about you know taking on his enemies and doing things like what they did in Ukraine, which is kind of, I mean, they knew what they were doing. Come on, I don't believe for a minute that gee, we didn't know, you know, that it, Biden had anything. If I had, I would have said something. Biden, you know, Barisma. I don't yeah, I never looked, never heard of it. Who of, of knew? Of course they knew. They just didn't think it was, and it, you know, and I guess that you can make an argument that they had a point, which was that that wasn't as important to them as trying to, you know, stop the the killing on the frontier in Ukraine. So they, they did what they had to do to try and, and get that done. Um, but, you know, it's exactly mm-hmm. what you say. You do this enough, and you end up distorting um, the policies. You end up distorting people's you know, the, the, the America's foreign policy in such yeah. a way that it's no longer recognizable or even in any way usable. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's done at the whim of this man-baby in the White House. And I would say that it moves us now to a national security risk. Absolutely, absolutely. The, and, uh, you know, we've seen that with just with the way he deals with Russia absolutely. and with North Korea. I mean, this is the kind of thing, this, this, this person is so out of his depth and 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 so at the same time narcissistic and arrogant that you're dealing with a very very difficult problem if the no. whole country is based upon appeasing someone who has a lick of sense maybe you could maybe you could find a way to do that in a way that didn't completely you know turn things upside down but not with this guy i, I don't mean, know it, if it, he's, he's nonsensical i don't know if howard baker is still alive but uh if he is it sure would be nice if he took that walk again over to yeah, the white no house kidding. let me take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, get some more uh with heather digby parton uh in our closing few minutes here uh i want to talk about <laughs> some of the response from the white house today on all of this on this uh, extraordinary day as uh, Gordon Sondland on Wednesday seems to have dropped a bomb, a John Dean bomb on these impeachment hearings in Washington, D.C. Quick break, and we're back with more with Heather Digby Parton. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com here with the great Heather Digby Parton once again, helping us navigate our way through the muck and mire of these impeachment proceedings uh, on, uh, on a rather extraordinary day following the testimony of Donald Trump's EU ambassador Gordon Sondland declaring that, yes, in fact, uh, what Donald Trump was running against Ukraine was a quid pro quo bribery scheme, though he did not use those words. The explosive testimony, uh, Heather, uh, should be uh, we, we need to keep in mind that part of the Republicans attempt at impeaching the testimony of Gordon Sondland was was sort of an attempt an attempt to discredit him. But that's a dangerous game because he's not only a defender of the president in some respects, but just last month, really October 8, Trump tweeted, quote, I would love to send Ambassador Sondland, uh, a really good man and great American, to testify. He says, importantly, Ambassador Sondland's uh, tweet, which few report, stated, quote, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear. No quid pro quos of any kind. That says it all. Well, that is the statement that uh, that Sondland seems to have taken a, a, a 180 reversal on today, they don't have much to, I mean, how do you go after this guy after you've been singing his praises all of this time? Well, I don't, I don't think he can. I mean, he, there are plenty pictures of them together. There are all, you know, there's the guy gave him, gave his inauguration a million dollars. He gave him a, you know, a very important ambassadorship. They've traveled together. I mean, and Sondland himself said he talked to him 20 times at least on the phone. Yep. And by the way, the tell to me that this is complete nonsense on the part of the president, that he barely knows the guy, is the fact that, that the phone call that was overheard in the restaurant in, in Kiev, or I guess we call it Kiev, I didn't know yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, in Kiev, that in that, that in that restaurant at lunch, the way that he spoke with the president in this very, very casual, kind of crude way. This was, that's not, you would not talk to the President of the United States that way if you did not have a familiar relationship Not if you're with his him. buddy. No, you, no. You know, I mean, if you, you just, you just would not. I mean, that's not, that's not reasonable. So I think, you know, that, that's ridiculous. He liked the guy. The guy was a rich guy, a hotelier like him. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see all the reasons, even his personality. You know, Sondland's kind of a character. So I could see Trump kind of liking him and re- thinking that, yeah, this guy's he's my guy. He's going to do what I want. Um, so trying to distance himself from him, I don't think is going to work Here, at all. And if they ever do release those documents, I think we're going to find that they had a lot of conversations. Here, this seems to be the only uh, defense at this point they have left. And the uh, White House, actually, I think it was Donald Trump's uh, uh, Twitter account, uh, retweeted this uh, t- couple of messages, one from Congressman Mark Meadows, a huge defender of the president, uh, saying the most important quote out of this hearing so far is Sondland saying, quote, I never heard from President Trump that the aid was conditioned on the investigations, noting that Sondland reached that conclusion on his own. He says, so in short, yet another witness who can't testify to the Democrats' accusations. And uh, Steve Scalise, another huge uh, House uh, Republican defender uh, on of uh, Trump, saying, breaking Ambassador Sondland, quote, I don't recall President Trump ever talking to me about any security assistance ever, adding 
end this sham. Your response, Heather? Well, I mean, you know, this is the, their ongoing thing. Unless they have evidence on tape, I'm assuming, of the president saying, I want you to do a quid pro quo with with Ukraine. And by the way, we kind of have one on that phone call. Uh, that's as close as anybody, you know, I mean, any in any court of law, you can imagine a jury looking that and going, case closed. They, they, you know, they, this is their idea that because, you know, these people are using mm-hmm. their common sense and logic to conclude what we can all see, which is what the, that the president wanted this statement right. uh, of investigations. They're saying that that's not, you know, that that's not acceptable, that's not going to be enough. And it would be in a court of law. Any judge would, would, you know, all the lawyers say, look, any judge would instruct the jury that they could, you know, use their common sense and sense of logic in this situation. Right. So, you know, that's about the best they can do, though. I mean, it really Well, is. wish him luck and also wish the vice president luck as well. He, as I noted yeah. uh, previously, he was dragged into this by Sondland during a, uh, a meeting in Warsaw when Pence... Uh, when Sondland says that Pence nodded in response to Sondland's uh, comments that military aid was tied to the announcement of these investigations, the vice president's office uh, has said that Pence uh, never had a conversation with Sondland, which Sondland never said he did, and mm-hmm. that he has never met one-on-one with Sondland, which Sondland also never said he did. So my exit question for you today, Heather Digby-Barton, is Nancy Pelosi the next president of the United States? <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a fine dream. That's definitely a fine dream. I, I doubt it. Um, you know, I don't. I don't even. I think Trump will probably muddle through this, um, but he's going to be severely, severely damaged. Um, you know, I mean, just one one final sort of mm-hmm. thing on the details today. And he went and screamed, you know, I I wanted nothing. I wanted I, I want nothing. I want nothing. You know, saying that he didn't want a quid pro quo. We never asked for one. He said that on September 9th, which you know that was like days after everybody already knew about the whistleblower. Yeah, <laughs> after the house you know, had already it's, begun its investigation. They'd already begun the investigation. Yeah. So you know, the idea that that matters at all is completely ridiculous. Of course, he's saying that after he got caught. I mean, you know. So anyway, yeah, yeah, I don't think you know. I don't think there's, uh, you know, that that uh, he's anybody. I doubt anybody's going to be walking up to the White House anytime soon, unfortunately. But you know, let's see. But I mean, we you will never see. Know. Yeah. You never know. You've had to apologize to me before. I certainly for this have. Year. I've <laughs> crawled on my belly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll In see. Humiliation. Hey, Heather. Uh, over the next uh, 24 hours or so, we've got a Democratic debate and more testimony in the impeachment hearings. Uh, yet you are abandoning me. I'm I understand sorry. because I think you have uh, your anniversary. That's uh, right. Coming up. So, That's right. <laughs> so at least I can say happy anniversary, and Thanks. maybe you got a uh, very nice gift on Wednesday I'm in the, uh, in the U.S. <laughs> House. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, Heather, we'll talk to you soon. You can find her work at Salon.com on her great and long-lived continuing blog, digbysblog.blogspot.com, and follow her on the Twitters at Digby56. Thanks, Digby. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, very quickly, before we get out, Des, do we have time for this, uh, this one clip? Barely. Okay, here's Sean Patrick Maloney, who I think has been doing a fantastic job, Democratic congressman from New, New York. York, and his uh, colloquy uh, trying to squeeze out some of these facts 
on Wednesday with Ambassador Gordon Sondland concerning the investigations into Burisma that Sondland said, oh, he had no idea it was the Bidens. We now know, of course, that Burisma means Bidens, right? Today we do. Who would have benefited from an investigation of the president's political opponents? I don't want to characterize who would have and who would not have. I know you don't want to, sir. That's my question. Would you, would you answer it for me? Restate your question. Who would benefit from an investigation of the president's political opponent? Well, presumably that the person who asked for the investigation. Who's that? If the president asked for the investigation, it would be he. Well, it's not a hypothetical, is it, sir? We just went around this track, didn't we? The president asked you about investigations. He was talking about the Bidens. When he, when he asked you about the Biden investigation, who was he seeking to benefit? He did not ask me about the Biden investigation. When he I've asked you about, about investigations. times, Mr. Sir, Long. sir, we just went through this. When he asked you about investigations, which we all agree now means the Bidens. We just did this about 30 seconds ago. We, right? It, it's a pretty simple question, isn't it? I guess, I guess I'm having trouble why you can't just say... When he asked about investigations, I assumed he meant... I know what you assume. Company. But who would benefit from an investigation of the Bidens? They're two different questions. I, you, I, I'm just asking you one. Who would benefit from an investigation of the Bidens? I assume President Trump would benefit. There we have it. See? <laughs> Didn't hurt a bit, did it? Didn't hurt a bit. But let me ask you something. Mr. Maloney. Hold on, sir. Excuse me. I've been very forthright, and I really resent what you're trying to Fair do. Fair enough. You've been very forthright. This is your third try to do so, sir. Didn't work so well the first time, did it? We had a little declaration come in after. Remember that? And now we're here a third time, and we got a doozy of a statement from you this morning. There's a whole bunch of stuff you don't recall. So all due respect, sir, we appreciate your candor, but let's be really clear on what it took to get it out of you. Ouch. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Sean Patrick Maloney, uh, who has been a standout in these hearings, frankly. Uh, OK, we got to get out. Yes, uh, we do. More fun, no doubt, on our next thrilling broadcast with a Democratic debate and more testimony on our next thrilling show. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, of course, to Digby and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com drop me email if you like i am bradcast at bradblog.com always good to hear from you and i hope you will find follow and share everything that we do on the facebooks and the twitters where you can find me at the brad blog as ever my thanks to those of you who help keep us going by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate thank you Okay, that's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, if we're still standing, <laughs> I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.